Blog Talk Radio. Man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades. I straight up A's. The parents would take us to a 76 game. I got my game and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Thurber called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Want to get downtown but feeling in the fix. Get on that road they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of business they've ever made. The fellas ain't famous, but they got the game. Welcome to the 76ers Report with your hosts, Jeff McMiniman and Michael Kasky blomaine What a wild and crazy day it has been as a Sixers fan. Uh, welcome back to another edition of the 76ers Report. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside ESPN insider Michael Kasky blomaine and, you know, once again, it's just been a whirlwind of Sixers news over the past 10 hours or so. We have a lot to discuss on today's show. Um, but, you know, we're now on iTunes, so make sure to check us out and rate us on there. And as always, you can follow us on the app Stitcher and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. And uh, so we all woke up this morning to the news from Keith Pompey that Ben Simmons was in for a workout this morning with the Sixers. And uh, from the pictures we were able to see, it looked like Brian Colangelo, Brett Brown, Josh Harris, Joel Embiid were all in attendance as well. And then, you know, a few hours later, we get the report from Chris Haynes of the Cleveland Plain Dealer that Simmons' camp has been alerted that he'll be selected with the number one pick on Thursday. Mike, you know, I'm not used to these predetermined draft days like this. Uh, you know, how glad are you to get the guy that you've been waiting for with the number one pick? Yeah, what a day to be a Sixers fan is right. And there's just been a constant stream of, you know, news, mainly good news coming in today. So it's, uh, you know, with two days to go till the draft, it's obviously uh, a pretty exciting time for the Sixers. And I think, uh, you know, everyone deserves it from us who have had to cover the team and the fans of the team. It's, uh, you know, it's about time that things look like, look like at least they're starting to go in the right direction. Hopefully, knock on wood. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little strange to have the news, like, leak out ahead of time. Uh, you know, I'll be in Brooklyn at the draft on Thursday. And, you know, a small part of, like, the fan in me is a little disappointed that there's no uh, – you, you know, surprise or no drama, you know, you, you know, ahead of time, obviously what's going to happen. There's no mystique left to it. But I mean, when it comes down to it, you, like you said, Simmons was the guy in my book and I think in a lot of people's books, and it's just good to hear that they're not, you know, they're not going to make a, a, a decision that they might regret and go in another direction or, or, you know, try to steer away from a kid who really just seems to have the highest potential in the draft. Uh, and he seems to be embracing it. You know, he, I think we all saw, he put up the picture on Instagram of himself at the Sixers workout with the, uh, you know, trust the process hashtag underneath it, which obviously set Twitter on fire. Uh, so, I mean, he seems to really be embracing coming to Philly. Uh, like he's just accepted it at this point. I think both sides are just ready to, uh, you know, ready to get this going. And I think they're, you know, equally excited. 
again, if, if people went by his Instagram, you know, we would have known he's been a fixer for two months, I think, because I think he posted a picture of him, you know, swimming uh, and said, trust the process, you know, when, when he's in the hot tub <laughs> or the swimming pool, whatever it was. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy, you know, the relationship that Brett Brown and his dad have obviously has, you know, played a large role in this. You know, they're able to, before the, the NBA Finals, game six, I believe, in Cleveland, and, you know, uh, I guess discuss medical records and kind of have a conversation there. You know, I, I think the majority of people in Philadelphia thought, you know, this was it. There wasn't going to be anything more than this. But then, you know, when Keith came out with the news this morning about the workout and everything, you know, that was much to a surprise of uh, – myself and I'm I'm sure you as well and you know to get this news this early it's uh, you know it's just insane because you know we've had to go into the past three drafts just kind of complete unknowns what what the team was going to do um so I mean with that being said do you think that there's you know any realistic chance that you know Brandon Ingram could still be the pick uh and or you know they swap picks with say the Lakers in exchange for the the troubled D'Angelo Russell, or do you believe that you know 100% Simmons is the guy and this information is you know accurate here? Yeah, I mean I'd be honestly pretty shocked at this point if Simmons wasn't the guy. Not even necessarily just based off the that report out of Cleveland that he had the verbal uh, you know agreement that or the, you know that they informed him that he'd be the pick. But just all signs have, uh, you know, pointed to him. There, there was some support for Ingram within the front office, but, you know, everything I've heard and from, like, the team and elsewhere and everything uh, that, that we've read seems to point to the fact that Simmons has been, you know, their top target since May uh, when they got the pick at the lottery. Uh, the team really likes him. Like you said, obviously his relationship and background and history with Brett Brown, uh, you know, certainly plays into it and probably plays into his comfortability with uh, coming to Philly in the first place. Um, You know, so basically I I think it's a lot regardless. I think the workout today was kind of just icing on the cake, Uh, you know, after they had the the meeting with him and got his medical information. At that point, they really had all the information that they would have needed to, you know, confidently make the selection at that point. I think, you know, the fact that they got the additional workout in Philly this morning um, with, you know, the, the everyone there that you referred to, Embiid, obviously, the ownership, um, Brett Brown, it's just, uh, you know, it's just it really all signs point to Simmons being the guy. So I, I'd be pretty shocked at this point if it went, went in any other direction. And, uh, you know, the Sixers in their history have had two number one picks in the past. Our good old buddy Doug Collins in uh, 1973, and of mm. course soon-to-be Hall of Famer Allen Iverson in 1996. Uh, Collins helped lead the team to a title game in 1977, where they fell to the Portland Trailblazers. And Iverson, of course, you know, led that team to the famed 2001 championship mm. and a loss to the Lakers. Mm. Uh, do you expect, you know, more than this out of Ben Simmons? Uh, you know, for this selection to be kind of worth it? Um, or, you know, how do you measure this pick as a success in the long run for the Sixers? I mean, it's hard to compare him to Iverson, obviously, who's, you know, in my, my like my lifetime, obviously, the best Sixer I've, I've been able to watch. 
But I do think Simmons really has the potential to be, uh, you know, a transcendent superstar uh, in this league, just with his skill set, his size, his athleticism, and, you know, what's been reported to be his work his work ethic, um, you know, whether it be adding all, all this muscle in the offseason, you know, his high school coach came out and attested to how, how hard and dedicated he is uh, to working. And he's basically been preparing for this moment for, you know, years, all the way back to, you know, when he was – in Australia and he was at the Academy of the Sports and he was, you know, basically training to be a professional. And ever since he's come to the United States, his, you know, his entire focus has been geared toward a career in professional basketball all the way up through, you know, one year at LSU where he, he obviously didn't focus much on anything else other than basketball. Uh, so, I mean, he just seems to be just kind of like LeBron was, not to compare, uh, you know, their skill sets, but how LeBron was kind of prepared to take on the mantle of being, uh, you know, a, a number one pick and a superstar and a potentially, uh, you know, a, a franchise player. I think Simmons is, he's been prepared for it and he seems ready and like eager to, to embrace it. So, I mean, I, obviously I don't know how good he's going to be in the, in the league. Hopefully he, he really realizes that potential, but you know, with, with everything else that's coming into the team too, a potentially healthy Embiid and all the other pieces that are there, I think with Simmons as like the centerpiece, there's definitely the makings of something special. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, taking Simmons, the main goal, obviously, is to at least make a deep run in the playoffs. You know, to be a team that makes it to the NBA Finals, that takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of luck. It takes a lot of, you know, pieces coming together at the right time. I don't know if, you know, Ben Simmons will be able to accomplish that. You know, it's a a pretty – tough thing to do in this league, but he certainly has the tools to do so. We just saw the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, beat uh, arguably, you know, going into the playoffs, the best team of all time, at, at least holding the best record. And, you know, for Simmons's top comparison to be LeBron James and to see what he did, you know, in that final series through, you know, game five to game seven, uh, you know, that's the type of impact that people expect, I guess, from Simmons, hopefully down the road. And, um, you know, <laughs> do you think that, you know, he can go to, what is it, six straight NBA finals like LeBron? You know, that's kind of stretching it. But, um, you know, where where do you see him kind of, you know, leading this team in the future? Yeah, I mean, that that's, impossible to, you know, compared to no one else has done the six straight finals thing since those, you know, the great Celtics teams. And, you know, hats off to, to LeBron, by the way. We, you know, we haven't done a podcast since the uh, the finals ended. But, you know, I've been a huge LeBron fan since he came into the league. Uh, not never one of the, the people that have tried to detract from what he's done. And now, uh, you know, I'm glad that he just finally kind of cemented the, you know, his legacy in the game. Not that he even needed to necessarily, but finally put an, put an end to, uh, you know, any any people that could, you know, try to say negative things about it. We can kind of just sort those people out now as people who don't know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to basketball. So uh, you know, that, that's always a good thing. But uh, back to Simmons, it's, you know, I think that especially considering, like, the way the league is going, like when LeBron came into the league, uh, it was still, you know, more, the more traditional style. There was a lot of, uh, you know, big guys, uh, like, back to the basket centers at that point and the game was still played at 
you know, a, definitely a slower pace than it is today. So I think the fact that Simmons is coming into a game uh, style of play where his skill set seems to like perfectly match it to, you know, he's versatile. He can rebound, get out in the open court, you know, uh, make make his te- like set his teammates up, finish at the rim. I think that there's potential for him to develop into, uh, you know, one of the the top stars in the league just based off of his size combined with his skill set. Uh, you know, I'm sure you saw the picture that was floating around on Twitter. Uh, from that Nike, the Nike commercial, there's a still photo of him standing next to, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Devin Booker and D'Angelo Russell. And, you know, Towns, who's obviously, you know, what considered to be, you know, the best young big guy in the league and is listed as like seven foot 240. Simmons looked to be, you know, every bit as big as Towns, if not bigger. Um, yeah. So the fact that it, uh, you know, and that's that's talented. That's like, best, like the best young center in the league, basically. If if you can think like combine that size with the you know the athleticism and the you know the guard skill set that Simmons seems to possess, like you know if if he can put it together, you know, sky really seems like the limit for him. Yeah, I mean, even looking at that picture that came out today of of Simmons standing next to Joel Embiid. You know, they look to be about the same size, except Joel has, you know, a a good three inches of afro on him right now. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty insane just the the stature and size that uh, Ben Simmons is. And, you know, if that projects onto the basketball court with, you know, the, the handle of the point guard, you know, he's drawn Blake Griffin comparisons just in terms of his size and athleticism. You know, if he can be that guy, you know, like you said, the sky's the limit. You know, he can really do damage in this league, and he can be a transcendental star. You know, if if he puts everything together, if he, you know, follows the advice of Brett Brown and really grows in the system fast, we're looking at a guy, you know, who could average 20 and 10 a night, and it wouldn't be – you know, out of the realm of possibility in the next two or three years here. Um, but, you know, I'm going to run through some some stats really quick. Um, 21 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, and two steals. Uh, those were the numbers LeBron James had as a rookie with the Cavs back in 2003-2004. And uh, 16 points, eight rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block. Those were Lamar Odom's numbers as a rookie with the Clippers in the 1999-2000 season. Uh, so th- those two are kind of the two players that Simmons has drawn the most NBA comparisons to. You know, as a rookie, do you expect Simmons to kind of come out and produce similar numbers to these next season? Yeah, absolutely. I, I expect it almost, especially considering the Sixers roster. I mean, obviously not that the Clippers or the Cavs at that point were anything great, but the Sixers are so, so young and there's no there's no established like hierarchy. There's no veterans on the team. Uh, I mean, obviously they'll probably add some in, in free agency and, and whatnot, but it's just wide open for Simmons to really come in and, and be the focal point of the team right from his rookie year. Uh, and, you know, we've already seen – you know, how the Sixers system enables players to put up stats. Obviously, we you can look at Michael Carter-Williams' his rookie year. Uh, you know, Okafor put up some nice numbers uh, stat-wise this, this past year. 
so the opportunity for him to do do that will, will definitely be there. And I think with the, with a little bit better talent around him, uh, you know, a couple of shooters and a couple of guys who can finish at the rim, his his assist totals I think will definitely be. Uh, I think you said Lamar Odom was around four a game. I think he could definitely Simmons could be up around five six a game in his rookie year. And same with rebounds, uh, you know, five six seven. He was obviously one of the best rebounders in college basketball. Um, you know, it'll take him a little bit to get accustomed to the size and, and you know, physicality of the NBA boards. But, uh, you know, six boards, six assists, and uh, close to 20 points, I think, is definitely something that could be expected out of him right away. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's going to take him, you know, at least a year or two to kind of develop his shot. You know, we, we talked about that in length and, in previous episodes, but, you know, his ability to attack the rim, um, you know, rebound to find those, you know, trailing shooters or shooters on the wing, you know, that's what intrigues everyone uh, to watching Ben Simmons. And that's the type of player he is. That's what everyone was able to to see at LSU uh, last season. I do think that, you know, he's going to struggle defensively. Um, I think that that's, you know, his athleticism is only going to take him so far in that department. Uh, he's going to have to learn a lot on the defensive end. But, um, you know, that is something with his build and athleticism that I think he can, you know, eventually master down the road. And, you know, with players like hopefully Nerland Noel still on the team and Joel Embiid filling the paint, you know, that's only going to help him, you know, kind of uh, ease into it and not have as much of a burden on the glass. Um, but Mike, you know, I've discussed with you my view of Simmons on previous episodes. You know, I'm aware that he's the best player in the draft, but I still, you know, highly question uh, what direction this team takes with him. You know, moving forward, I think uh, when it's all said and done, you know, Brandon Ingram would have been the safer pick in that regard and, you know, cause less roster moves in the interim. Um, but, you know, once he crosses that stage as the number one pick, uh, what are the first moves, you know, you're trying to make with uh, Simmons off the board? I think you got to get shooters around him. Um, you know, obviously that's like, like you said, we've discussed that's his, I don't want to call it a weakness because he just didn't do it in college. Uh, I think three threes that you, you pointed out a couple weeks back, he attempted, you know, for the whole season, made one of them. So it's not, I don't want to say shooting is a weakness, but it's obviously the area that's, you know, the biggest question mark with with him offensively at this point. And so I think the, the you know, his style of play, especially if they plan to use him as sort of like a point guard point forward, as some reports have suggested that they might consider doing, I think it's, it'll be crucial to, uh, you know, get guys that can spread the floor around him, to, you know, to open up the, the lane for him, whether that be, uh, you know, trading up into the draft to get a Jamal Murray or if they think Chris, Chris Dunn is a guy that will help the offense um, or if they add some guys through free agency. But I think with, you know, cause if, if Embiid ends up coming out, uh, you know, obviously we all hope he does this year. He'll need guys that can space the floor, you know, to open up the paint and, you know, be able to let him do his thing. So that combined with Simmons, I think, really calls for, you know, them to add some perimeter players and some guards, which is, you know, it's obviously something that we've been talked about uh, and something that the team has needed now for a few years. And it's it hasn't mattered, obviously, when they were in the depth of the uh, 
you know, the rebuild, whoever was there was, was fine. But at this point, now that they're starting to build back into, you know, what they hope is a, a perennial contender, they, uh, you know, they really need to start adding some solid, you know, wing and guard play. I think that's, you know, for me, at least my A1 concern, assuming Simmons is the, uh, is the top pick. Once again, this is the 76ers report. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Katsky-Blameen. And, uh, you know, so after the Sixers Twitter just kind of blew up over the Ben Simmons news, we got some more positive uh, reporting from the vertical. Joel Embiid has been cleared for five-on-five scrimmaging with the team. Uh, It doesn't look like he'll be playing in Las Vegas Summer League, but he'll be at least down there with the team practicing. And uh, all signs point to Joel being as close to 100% healthy as possible. Uh, Is this just, you know, a huge sigh of relief for you, Mike? And, you know, how ironic was it, you know, the the timing of the release of that report? Yeah, the timing was crazy. You know, this this early afternoon today was nuts. I was in the gym for a little while. And, uh, you know, it seemed like I couldn't put down my phone every two minutes. It it kept going off, uh, (laughs) you know, something else going on. But, uh, you know, it is great news. Um, you know, I won't be totally, you know, I won't breathe that full sigh of relief until, uh, you know, regular season opening night and he's out there and he's dropping 20. That, uh, you know, then, I, then I'll fully exhale. But the the fact that he's cleared for five on five is definitely great news. It's just, uh, you know, it's the next step, obviously, in, in his full, you know, return to the court. Uh, since like midway through last this past season, ever since Joel came back out and started doing his uh, you know the pregame workouts where he was, he was working off a sweat and shooting a lot and uh, moving a little bit, it seems like everything since then regarding his return has been positive and on schedule. Uh, you know, and on track, Brett Brown has come out and said that they've heard great things from doctors. MB obviously himself has been on social media talking about how he's ready and he's going to be out there and. You know, all that. So he's obviously confident in his own health, which is a good sign. You know, the past, like, year and a half, he was pretty quiet on social media when he wasn't able to play. Um, so I think the fact that he's feeling really confident about how he feels is obviously a, a good thing. And especially for the fans, we've gotten used to, you know, delays and setbacks with his uh, his recovery. And it seems like that, you know, that might be past us at this point. It seems like everything is, you know, it's going on track. So it's great to hear that. Um, you know, he's cleared for five on five. I can't wait to be able to see some, uh, you know, some footage of that, hopefully. And then, uh, you know, it would have been nice to see him in summer league, but I, I don't think it's something that, it, you know, it's critical either way. As long as he just continues the progress and be ready for the regular season, I'm sure he'll make his debut in, in the preseason to get his feet wet a little bit. And I think he'll be, uh, he'll be good to go. Yeah, and you got to love the, the comedic support that he continued to give to the entire fan base, yeah. you know, through, throughout the NBA Finals, just hilariousness after hilariousness. And uh, I don't know if you were able to see that Vice Sports piece he had, uh, just saying how he used to suck ass, you know, <laughs> before, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, back back in Cameroon. But, yeah, I mean, uh, everyone has just been waiting so long to see some kind of glimpse of him in competitive basketball for this team. So, you know, whether or not he plays in summer league, you know, it doesn't look like he's going to, but at least if he's ready for preseason, you know, that is just going to be amazing. And especially when you add, you know, Ben Simmons to that mix, it's just going to be unbelievable watching these games. You know, it'll almost feel like, you know, watching a playoff game 
uh, just seeing these guys shoot up together for the first time. And, uh, I mean, isn't it kind of interesting just, you know, especially if Darius Sarge comes over as well, how the Sixers could potentially have, you know, not one, not two, but three players who could potentially, you know, win Rookie of the Year um, next season. Maybe even four. I mean, if you factor yeah. in some of the talk and the, and the trade rumors about getting back yeah. up into the lottery and adding a Dunner and Murray. But, yeah, man, the, the potential for, like, the fact that so much young talent is finally coming onto the team, it just, it's what everything was was about. You know, which I don't think some people understood because it obviously didn't happen as quickly as, you know, obviously some of the people would have liked or even, even thought. But, it seems like this is finally the summer that's kind of the culmination of the past three years. They finally, after three tries, get the first pick and get their pick of the crop rather than having to just take, you know, whoever falls to them at the, at the third spot. Uh, Embiid, after two seasons, finally, you know, he, he looks like a, a monster and he seems to finally be ready to get out there. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Sarich, and they have, like, <laughs> this is kind of almost even a joke at this point on Sixers Twitter, but they have the assets to be able to do so much more too, whether it be to get up to get back into the lottery or make a trade elsewhere, you know, add, uh, you know, add via free agency because they have tons of cap space. I mean, the potential for them to improve the team this summer and in the coming summers is just huge. And that's obviously, you know, be wrong to talk about all that and not shout out the man, uh, Sam Hickey for, for for setting the whole situation up. But, yeah, it really just seems like this summer is, you know, the, finally the time where so many of the dominoes that he set up are falling into place. Yeah, I'm glad, you know, today it seems like a lot of people outpouring their love for Sam Hinkie. He totally deserves all of it. I'm sure, you know, somewhere he's, you know, smiling ear to ear, um, just saying I told you so in his mind about, you know, everything that's going to happen with the team in recent weeks. Um, But yeah, like you mentioned earlier, uh, there's been just so many trade rumors recently involving the Sixers and the Boston Celtics who, you know, own the number three pick in the draft. Um, Tim Welsh of CSN New England talked about how the Sixers really won Chris Dunn um, from Providence. Uh, And I mean, Chad Ford has just been, you know, talking up a storm about this deal as well, um, kind of saying, you know, oh, well, you know, I don't think the the Sixers can get a top five pick for Okafor. And, you know, he came out with a, his most recent Okafor rumor deal was just outrageous. You know, Sixers sending Okafor, Southskis, Landry, picks number 24 and 26 for Avery Bradley, Terry Rozier, R.J. Hunter, and picks number 16 and 23. You know, that it doesn't really excite me to see, you know, Okafor attached to what seems like, you know, kind of a small deal. You know, Bradley's a good player, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it doesn't hold the same kind of excitement for getting the the third pick in the draft. Um, and, I mean, I, I think uh, it was Brian Gillespie came out with another report today, uh, the Hoops Critic, for those of you that don't know him, um, who's kind of, you know, had some some pretty uh, interesting takes on the Sixers, to say the least, the, the past couple of years. Uh, but he 
claims that Nerland Noel is actually the player that Boston is, you know, coveting at the moment, not Jalil Jalil Okafor. Um, So, yeah, there's just all these kind of rumors surrounding, you know, the Celtics and the Sixers at the moment. I mean, if we had to depart with Nerland's, for the number three pick, um, you know, in the wake of taking Ben Simmons, would you be okay with that? Or is that, you know, something that you would kind of oppose doing at the moment? It's it's definitely a tough situation because I, I still like both Nerlens and Ja, and I'm still high on both of their future, uh, you know, their potential in the future in the NBA. I think they're both going to be solid, productive players. But, you know, with that being said, it was always, uh, you know, with MB, Noel, and Okafor, uh, not in that order, but with those three selected, you know, consecutively, there's always probably going to have to come to a point where, um, you know, one of one or two of them was dealt in order to, you know, space even out the roster. That was, you know, probably or definitely Hinky's intention when drafting the three of them. So, you know, when, if, if the situation comes down to it and a move needs to be made, I, I'm behind in doing it, especially if it's for a guy, you know, a young guard or a perimeter player. I, I don't necessarily love Nerlens for number three straight up, but, but at the same time, if they're barely, you know, I, you have to trust the, the team at least, and if they're that high on Don or whether it be Murray or whoever this week the report is that they're high on, uh, then I guess I'd be okay with them pulling the trigger. So Maryland's the Boston thing obviously makes some sense. He's a you know he's a Boston guy, grew up there, has his family there and everything. Uh, it would be definitely weird to see him in a Celtics game uniform. Oh, but uh, yeah. it's 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 almost it just seems like it's an inevitability at one point that it's either him or Ja gets moved. So to me, it's just all about the return. Uh, will you even entertain that Chad Ford trade proposal or no? No, I'm with you. I don't think, uh, again, respect to Avery Bradley, who I think is a good player in the moment, but he's not, uh, you know, to be the headliner really of the return for a, a guy in Okafor who tons of people obviously are selling low on right now, or, you know, are basically writing off his career. I'm not ready to do that. I think he could, still be super productive easily just make some you know adaptations to his game that would make him a better fit in today's league and make him you know very serviceable but uh you know that that proposal i think definitely sold him short uh i think he could you know that he's one year from removed from being the number three pick and all the way up until last year's draft we were hearing how he was maybe the top pick uh you know i just doubt i don't really believe quite that there's no, you know, no value for him in the league after one season that obviously wasn't as, it didn't go as great as he would have liked, but at the same time, he showed some, you know, obvious flashes of superior offensive talent and ability. Uh, so, you know, I just think that there is a deal out there that, that could get made that would be a little bit better, more beneficial for the Sixers to get rid of a guy that's still, you know, super young and could be potentially productive. And, uh, you know, Brian Colangelo spoke today uh, just, you know, he's mentioned this in the past, but, uh, you know, he, he kind of alluded to it again today how he'd be open to, you know, trading those 24 and 26 picks to move up in the draft. Um, you know, if that were to happen, where, like, you know, how high do you think the Sixers could get by just packaging those two picks? 
If it was just those two picks alone, I, I don't really think to see them getting too high. I definitely don't see them getting back into the lottery for, you know, just two later no. first-round picks, maybe, maybe up into the teens. I think the most likely scenario, I, I think you and I actually talked about this, uh, would be obviously if one or both of them was somehow packaged in a deal, uh, you know, to move up in the lottery with, you know, what, something else attached to it. Whether You know, I don't, I don't have necessarily a particular example in mind, but it's just those late first-round picks just seem like something that, not that they're throwaway, obviously, especially because it seems like there's a lot of perimeter talent later, uh, you know, in the late first round of this draft that they could use. But uh, it, it seems like that would be, a, uh, you know, something that, w- that would be included in the deal uh, if they were trying to move up to get another, you know, high-level lottery talent. And we've discussed, you know, uh, Chris Dunn, Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, Wade Baldwin. We've, we've kind of discussed those four as potential, you know, guards to to look for in this draft. Um, you know, is there one guy out of that group, you know, in the past couple weeks that you've kind of separated amongst, you know, themselves as kind of the consensus top pick of the group? Not not really. Uh, like like I said before, uh, I just want guys on, on you know on the perimeter in the in the guard position. I, I think that you know they both bring you know they they all would bring something to to the uh table for the Sixers especially with uh you know I think Simmons is one of those guys uh, you know obviously assuming that he's that pick that like LeBron can make guys he plays with better so when you're when we're like talking about some of these guys I think that factoring in the fact that they'll play with a guy like Simmons will also like you know work to help them right from the beginning so there's not necessarily, uh, you know, other behind the, what seems to be the inevitable in them selecting Simmons. There wasn't really a, you know, there isn't necessarily one guy, um, more so just the, the position of, you know, guys, perimeter players and guys that can space the floor. Uh, I think, what about you? Did you have a couple particular guys you were looking at? I think in my mind, uh, you know, I, I had kind of a few weeks ago, uh, scenario, you know, if they took Brandon Ingram, I, I felt like, you know, Chris Dunn would be the best guard to take just because, you know, he's a more natural point guard, he can defend, um, you know, he'll have the ball in his hand a good amount, kind of like, you know, he kind of projects out to be like a John Wall type player. Um, so his fit with Ben Simmons would be kind of weird in that situation where, you know, they both kind of need the ball in their hands to be at their best. Um, so, you know, in that case, you know, if they take Ben Simmons, which it looks like they're going to, you know, I would say Jamal Murray just because he's not really that ball-dominant point guard. He plays more like a shooting guard almost where, you know, his best skill set, skill set is shooting and scoring – and that would, you know, fit perfectly alongside uh, Ben Simmons. But then, you know, Wade Baldwin, you know, if they're not able to get back into the the top three or four picks where, you know, likely Jamal Murray will be picked, uh, Wade Baldwin, I think, is a, a similar guy, maybe not to the same level as Murray, but who can, you know, play some point guard, can shoot very well, uh, score very well. So, I think those are kind of my my top two if you're adding Ben Simmons to the team. We we talked about Buddy Heald and 
Jalen Browns, how how they're both, you know, good scorers, but uh, they're not the greatest at, I guess, creating their own shot, which on the next level will certainly be an issue. Um, So, I I mean, I think, in my opinion, Murray would be the best pick as, uh, you know, the, I guess, second-tier guard on the roster. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I guess what happens between Boston and, you know, if any other teams come in the mix, like like Phoenix at pick, pick number four or even uh, Minnesota at pick number five. So, um, yeah, there there's a lot of, I guess, uh, other, I guess, topics surrounding Ben Simmons. Uh, I don't know if you were able to see that commercial that he was in today for Foot Locker uh, with D'Angelo Russell, but it's kind of interesting that the Sixers have – you know, a, a player coming in that is seemingly, you know, so marketable in Ben Simmons already kind of in these commercials and popular amongst the players, you know, LeBron James praising him, um, you know, how good he is having the same agent and kind of acting as his big brother um, during this process. Uh, you know, how, I guess, intriguing is it to have a player as marketable as Ben Simmons coming on the roster? I think it's really intriguing, and I think it's really exciting, too. Uh, you know, the Sixers really haven't had, uh, obviously, a, a true superstar since, you know, Iverson was traded 10 years ago. Uh, and they haven't had even, you know, Iverson was huge getting, uh, you know, getting drafted in 96 coming into the league, but social media and everything wasn't nearly what it was at this point. So the Sixers haven't had a, a guy coming in with this much hype, really, you know, for as long as we can remember it. And it's definitely pretty exciting to, like you said, a guy that I don't even remember the last time they have a, had a player endorsed by Nike. You know what I mean? Like they already got yeah. a guy that's coming in with, with a shoe contract before he gets drafted. He's in foot locker commercials. Uh, I just saw on social media that he's going to be on uh, Jimmy Fallon's show tonight. Like he's, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's making, making his rounds, uh, you know, obviously already. Uh, and basically, just emb- he's embracing the whole, you know, the, the superstar persona, which uh, you know I guess is cool. He, it shows at least that uh, I think he's uh, thinks he's at least prepared for it. But uh, it's definitely something that the Sixers haven't had in a little bit. But I think it's exciting because you know the Philadelphia certainly knows how to market uh, a superstar. They've done it plenty of times, and I think a superstar is you know what sells in the NBA today. So uh, you know it's, it's the, the team has been tough you know it's been tough I think to market the Sixers over the past few years without really a face of the franchise and obviously if Simmons lives up to um, you know what his potential and what are what people are saying they think he could be that he could you know obviously be be that face of the franchise and with that comes you know limitless potential for for the team so I definitely think it's it's cool and it's it's something that feels almost new to have a you know a guy with this much hype and stuff already around him just coming to the team. And another kind of interesting note I I saw before we get out of here, uh, according to Bavada Las Vegas, uh, the Sixers don't have the longest odds to win the you know NBA title next year. Uh, it's it's been a long time coming for for us fans, but the Nets are actually the worst team at 250 to one. Sixers are 150 to one. You know, it, isn't it great to uh, have you know Billy King franchise below the Sixers at the moment? 
<laughs> yeah, it is. That's hilarious. I, I didn't know that. Uh, it's, yeah, that, it's, it's ironic, especially like you said, that it's Billy King. But it's nice to hopefully they can start to distance themselves from the bottom and keep it that way for a while. I think obviously we've gotten accustomed to being there over the past few years, so it's nice to to start being you know going up. <laughs> Well, yeah, once again, this was the 76ers report. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, alongside Michael Katsky-Blomain. I mean, I'm so excited for the draft on Thursday. I'll be down at the Sixers draft party outside the art museum. Uh, for those of you who want to meet up or check it out, whatever, um, Mike, you'll be down in Brooklyn. Uh, what do you expect, and you know how pumped are you for that? Yeah, I'm pretty excited uh, to get down there uh, to see. I expect, uh, I think obviously now that some of the mystique has gone out of that first pick, for at least from the Sixers' perspective, I think it'll be very interesting to see what, if if anything, they end up doing to get back into the lottery and you know get another uh, top lottery talent. That is, uh, trades on draft day, you know, live are always. Uh, very, you know, definitely exciting <laughs> if they're if they're not already ruined by Woj ahead of time on Twitter, which has yeah. been uh, and, and it's become an issue in recent years. But uh, yeah, as far as from from the Sixers, I'm definitely excited to see how that how that unfolds. But uh, you know, I'm definitely uh, it's always a good time. I'd like to see what all the guys are, you know, what they're wearing. It's cool to hear, uh, <laughs> you know, their takes both, uh, you know, both before and after their draft. And I'll be, uh, you know, I'll be in the press room after after Ben is selected and. You know, he'll, he'll get to talk to the media for the first time and, you know, obviously talk about being a Sixer. So that, that'll that be interesting. And, you know, all in all, it should definitely be a, an eventful night for, uh, you know, Sixers. Definitely. And for for those who don't follow Mike on Twitter, follow him at the Real MKB. He'll have a lot of, you know, draft coverage and, you know, what better source to go to than the guy who's going to be down there and, you know, in the action. So, so make sure to follow him and thanks so much for tuning in. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you after this crazy draft on Thursday with, you know, a lot more, you know, Sixers news and updates, all things draft related. Yes, sir. We'll have a lot to talk about. Back in 1982, man, it was real cool in school. If we got good grades, I trade up A's. The parents would take us to a 76 game. I got my game, and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Serva called Philly his home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony Sinkin' Freeze. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Want to get downtown, but feel in the Get on that road, they call 676 The most expensive, expensive piece of interstate They ever made a better same pay with what they got to gain